are. Here we are. Episode seven thirty nine. Hi, Sarah. And we're feeling fine. Oh no. Yeah, I did it. I don't even care. <laughs> That's all right. I'll let it go. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm, really? Uh, yeah. I'm feeling. I'm feeling. Here. Okay. You are feeling. Here's fine. what I decided. Okay. I need a new hobby. Oh, I, I know feel like sounds, you already have too many, but okay. I know, but I don't really have right now. I, I shouldn't say that, that I need a new hobby. Maybe I need to re-engage in a hobby that is just for me oh, it, or like my, yeah. like, because you like, I'm just why? thirsty for that. Yeah, <laughs> you know because like Eli keeps trying to talk me into mountain biking, which I am not going to do. He needs to let that and go. I know. I I keep like hinting at it, but I I, I am good. We did. Oh, we did make a bet. He got. We were talking about going uh, on a trip to like same like like back to Croatia because we loved it so much, like that area, mm-hmm. and like maybe like staying on a boat with a group and like we'll rent a boat for a week. It'll be super fun, mm-hmm. and. uh he was talking about swimming and, and he was, he was tr- getting all braggy and he's like, Oh yeah, I could beat like beat you. Uh-oh. And I was like, Oh, Big mistake. yeah. Huge mistake. <laughs> I was like, you really think that you could beat me? And I said, okay, let's do a mile swim. You really think in a mile swim, you could beat me. And we were with a group of people. And even they were like, I'm going to put my money on Sarah just based on how she's answering these questions right now, like say, like responding right now. And, uh, so I told him, I I was so confident. I'm like, I, I will beat you so bad in an open water in the ocean, mile long swim. You're fucking dead. Yeah. It's Uh, embarrassing already. Embarrassing. Women always outswim men in long distance swimming competitions. Remember when you told me that humans could outrun a horse if the race was long enough? It's like that. Yeah, you're and right. it's, yeah, you're and right. I'm correct. Yeah. So this is correct. That's why I made it a mile. Cause I'm like, Oh, you'll beat me two laps in a pool. No problem. But we go a hundred laps. You're going to start to get a little tired and mm-hmm. your girl's going to be just fine. I'm a, <laughs> I'm super buoyant over here. Plantar so, fasciitis is not a problem in the water. Not a problem. In the water. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can go for miles. So I told him I was so confident that if I lost, I would buy a mountain bike. Okay. Well, that is a, that she will never have to fulfill. Right. So that is the only time I will ever be purchasing mountain bike is if I lose this. What happens if he, I haven't decided yet. Loses. I know. I'm thinking. You're thinking about it. I am thinking. All right. We'll put our heads together. So we were talking about like this whole, you know, and we've been like doing all these outdoor things and I I love camping. I love, that's like totally my deal. And I love paddle boarding. There are things that I do that are very fun, but they're all things that require a lot of like work to go do it or another person. It's too much. (laughs) I need like a hobby that I could just go Yeah, you need restoration. You want to feel soothed and yeah, yeah, restored. And I'm just kind of like in a hobby uh, rut. rut. What about, you know? I've always tried to lure you back into crafting, but maybe that's stressful yeah. too. No, I was, I, I'm into that, but, but the problem is I make it and then I want to do something with it and put it like hanging up in the house. Yeah. But now I got plants for that and right. you know, yeah. So I'm thinking mm. uh, here's, here's what my instincts are telling me, but my pocketbook is telling me otherwise horses. <laughs> it is 
it's like your destiny i know and we like drove by so many horses this weekend and let me tell you it was all i could do because because eli one time we were driving was like wow you really are the girl who's like or horses or like you know whatever we talked <laughs> yeah. about on the podcast and now right. i like yeah. recognize when i have the impulse i'm like i didn't shout out horses like 30 times on this drive so like i'm really doing a good job of controlling myself but i need to put this energy somewhere yeah and so i'm thinking maybe horses i don't know but how like what do i do what is like right well there's expensive. places you I can't, can like, go a for equine a therapy i feel like you're wanting like the equivalent of equine yeah therapy. i just want to like like you want to go for a little trot or i want to just like feed it their mane yeah (laughs) or like like we we were on a hike that took us past this um uh uh, like field and area where all these cows were grazing and i was trying so hard to get the cows to come over to me they don't talk to me and they all i had all of their attention oh yeah like they all were like "Mm?" like looking (laughs) at me some of them stood up and some of them were like what's up and i was like come on I'll pet you. I'll give you rubs behind. The- I love pet. The cows are like so fun to pet. They're like giant dogs in Costa Rica. They're so cuddly. And like we had some at my mom's house where we just feed like all of our like melon rinds and watermelon pizza too. They love that shit. And they were, they're so cuddly. They'll come right up to you and like nuzzle Aww. with you. I love them. Well, why don't they want to snuggle here in the U.S. Well, they, I don't, they did not, they were like, mm, They're probably afraid you're going to slaughter it and probably. make it a hamburger. So like, what do I do to like, I need like to be like farmy. Mm-hmm. You know how they Maybe say volunteer? you shouldn't own a boat. You should find someone who owns a boat and be their friend. Yeah. So then you can enjoy the boat without buying it. It's I like that. Do. Okay. We so I need... got to like find a farm owner or a mm-hmm. horse person. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. remember when we went to visit that farm here in Pittsburgh? Um, we did a tour, but it was just me and my family, nobody else. I just asked and they said yeah. yes. Oh. And um it was because it was for link because he loves sheep you know yes so um i think that farmers are generally very into this sort of thing because they get to show you and then uh, we made a donation to be nice but like you don't have to i'll do that yeah yeah Yeah. um i'm super into this okay i think that would be so nice for you pet a cow pet a horse is this because you are going through bow withdrawals too? Maybe, I, probably. Oh my god! I betcha. Uh, don't say it. I'll cry. Oh god! Yes. <laughs> no, don't. Yeah, I can see why it does leave a void. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm like I need to pet an animal that will unconditionally love me back for yeah. five to ten minutes. Doesn't judge. Doesn't judge. Yeah. I mean, or it can judge. Fine. Put me through the ringer. I'm good. <laughs> Animals, you can take it yeah i can take it. it you know they're good judges and they'll be like oh she's a nice one yeah yeah they see your heart don't they yeah. <laughs> you're gonna cry huh i'm not a no fan. i think that'd be really cool if you developed a relationship with a farm and yeah you know yeah so then that's you my could thing. even I'm say like i'll hobby. promote you on social because yes. a lot of times they have meat that they want to and i will i will oh love a cow and then buy it well i'm sorry but that's the nature of farming cycle circle of life right yeah it really is life or whatever it is both makes sense and they probably grow wheat and then make it into wild grain bread the delicious ones that are like i don't know are they (laughs) like saying like lovely things to each little grain of wheat (laughs) because that's what it feels like um i went to a bakery recently and I tried some of their bread, and Eli and I were like, 
Mm. Yeah, your standards are too high now. They are. We were, and so we we like because we were like camping, and so we were like at a farmer's market, and we got some. And this morning, Eli was like, "You want some mediocre bread?" And I was like, <laughs> "No." And I have my wild grain box arriving in two days, so I have. I luckily Just don't have to be eating mediocre. It. Yes, I do not yeah. have to be eating mediocre bread for much longer. No, and you don't have to either because wild grain is delivered to your door, frozen. You put it in your freezer and then whenever you're ready, you get it out and you bake it and it tastes like fresh bakery bread, but not duds mm. like Sarah had. And this is pasta, desserts. Um, they have, I even got macarons. Oh yeah. Yes. Mac- ma- macaroons or mac? I feel like I always get it wrong, but yeah. it's the macarons. colored pretty ones. Oh, that's the, the French fancy macarons. ones. Macarons. Yeah. And um, they have croissants and just everything, and it's so good. I've never had anything that was like, oh, this is not great. Never. It's always 10 out of 10. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, check, and dessert. And it's easy on your tummy. They do special, wonderful things to it. I don't know what, but yeah, it's great. Yeah, slow fermentation. That's it. Slow fermentation. Yep. And for a limited time, you get $30 off your first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash braincandy to start your subscription. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash braincandy. That's wildgrain.com slash braincandy. Or you can use promo code braincandy at checkout. Yes. Mm, Okay. I'm hungry. I have great news. Oh, tell me. I got my mammogram. Yes. I, if you are, have listened to a previous episode, I talked about my fears about getting this done. Number one, because it feels like I heard a lot of horror stories and people sort of like talking about how terrible it is. And also because when you have implants, it just feels wrong. Yeah. It just feels like you're going to explode those puppies. I would imagine. That would be messy. Oh my God. (laughs) Nerve wracking. Just the, please, every single time I go get any sort of medical testing done, there's a level of anxiety and worry and like, yeah. You don't know. And then I feel the same way when I go get my car, take my car to a mechanic. I'm like holding my breath until they give me the report. (laughs) What's the damage? Uh, Yeah. Right. Yes. It's, it's a layered sort of anxiety and then you got to wait for the results and whatever. Okay. So I was nervous, but then I said to Sarah, like, I, I got embarrassed about it myself. I thought, Susan Louise you are a tough broad. Yeah. Get over it and, sh- you know, suck it up and get your damn ma'am. Get the damn ma'am. Put that so, on a bumper sticker. That's great. I did. And here's what I want to say. And I said this to my technician, Carly. Shout out to Carly. Shout out to Carly. Woo. Um, basically, mammograms new- need a new publicist. Okay. Okay. It was... Absolutely no big whoop. Okay. We need to talk. This is very important to talk about. It is- I had no idea. Sarah. It must be. There mu- mm, they must have updated things. Or they must said have. She that. Okay. This she is good said, to me. Like, we, need to, we need to promote the, posit- the, the changes that are happening. <laughs> the changes came about because the MRI or the imaging, the, the whatever uh, it is. Yes, 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 yes has improved so much that they don't have to squish them so much 
And so honest to God, yeah, I would rather do a mammogram than get my dentist teeth cleaned, brush, wow. like just the, and whatever they call it. Yeah. Routine. Dental cleaning. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It is less painful. Oh, and that's one of my favorite things. So you're going to probably just get an, like, oh, oh my God, fill me up. <laughs> yes. Give these babies some attention. And if you don't have implants, you have even less of a problem because I had to do four images. You regular people only do two. Okay. No I problem. am telling you out of one, one to 10, it was a one. Oh my gosh, people, go get a mammogram right now. No problem. If there's anything holding you back and you're thinking, oh, I don't want to because I have that idea of like my breast being smashed between two panes of glass or whatever, like chill. Yeah, because I was telling Lincoln about it and he was trying to understand what they do. And I'm like, it's like a panini press for your boobs. (laughs) And (laughs) that is what it is, but it doesn't hurt. And before she began... Um, she said, have you ever had the MRI version of the mammogram? And I said, no, I wish. And she was like, no, you don't. It takes an hour and a half and you have to lay on a table on your stomach with your boobs hanging through a hole. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. So she's like, trust me, this is much better than that. Because that's the one that I thought, well, that sounds better. It's not squishing anything. Well, who cares if you got to lay there that long? Yeah, I can't do anything for that long. And the, be- <laughs> and the be- except hike. You just told me earlier about an 11-mile hike that I'm still, yeah. like, reeling from. Yeah. But yeah. the best part of all is that they have no nothing wrong with them. That's the best. I got the results. I'm so glad. And she told me to expect bad news because she said the first time they don't have, like, a baseline picture uh, yeah so, so they, often they don't know, they're looking everything is is uh yeah. but i didn't have to go back until you okay ship shape in there fantastic it is i'm so, I'm so happy they look yeah. good and they're healthy that's right it's Woo! not just beautiful they're that's also right. in ship shop tip top shape yes. okay moving on Okay, this get is those a funny tests. One. Get that information get, for real. It feels good once you have it, and then you like, you feel like a real words. grown up when you like get stuff like that done. Yeah, get your damn ma'am. Get the damn ma'am. Okay, this is a funny story because I want to talk about aliens. Okay, oh, I'm ready. I'm like on an alien kick, and I'm so sorry for ever judging you about the alien pyramid oh. thing. Oh, they probably <sighs> did build them. I'm pretty sure they did. I I am here for this. This is, wow, wow, wow. This is the best. I got it wrong. What a good day. (laughs) What a good day. Okay, I had the funniest conversation though because, you know, we... The congressional whistleblower oh, yes. guy yes. coming forward saying they they have a spaceship and they have the pilot, yes, a.k.a. a Martian or whatevs. And so my mom was over last night and I go, hey, Peg, what do you think about those aliens? And she goes, they're too close to for comfort. That's what I think. And I'm like, how so? And go she goes, on. She goes... Well, they're living in the hotel next to my church. Okay. Okay. I didn't know we meant like that. Okay. Here we are. All right. So I did ask Eli this. I was like, what are the religious people going to do when we now have this information that so strongly like butts up against everything that, well, here's your answer. Well, okay. 
so I was dying laughing and I was like, okay, I'm, she, she's talking about immigrants and I'm talking about aliens, but I said, oh, okay, no, but- <laughs> I didn't even put that together. I thought you actually meant she thought there were aliens like, um, no, she thinks third there's rock like from Mexicans the sun. Or <laughs> I, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Coneheads. Oh, I thought that that's what I was going with. I was like, this is Coneheads, third rock from the sun. Like they're living next door. Oh no. Oh no. It's worse. <laughs> oh yeah. She meant, immigrants. I don't know if that makes me like ignorant or like optimist, like, like yeah. giving people the benefit of the doubt that they wouldn't be think that you thought she know. was crazy. Not yeah. a bigot. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> correct <laughs> no it, it was okay at the end and i said mom i mean like you know martians and then i said so like what do you think about those guys and she was like oh well that's they are real i mean and i was surprised she said that to be honest with you because a lot of people that believe in like right the literal uh creation story and stuff really don't know what to do with aliens and so they kind of just think that's ridiculous they don't know what to do with dinosaur bones please yeah yeah it's it really throws a wrench yeah. <laughs> into that worldview so any hoodles i just love that story yeah, but science <laughs> usually throws a wrench <laughs> <laughs> that's true i've always wanted to go to that um creation creation museum mu- yes because they Theme have park. like an exhibit at the museum that has dinosaurs with saddles yes yes i was like you could ride the dinosaurs yes yes could you imagine dinosaurs with saddles you know i think it's i love Ohio. that they think a saddle came first because i remember we were talking about which came first the swiss army knife or the paper clip like in previous episodes and both of those were invented in like the 1900s so <laughs> i don't know when they think these saddles on dinosaurs were invented yeah but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm okay sorry i had to wet my whistle all right <laughs> Okay, but, you know, because of that whistleblower, which that was so compelling to watch, Mm -hmm. and it was so, like, I think it was just a watershed moment, I'm sure, but I was watching an Unsolved Mysteries episode, third season, and, you know, I've always, they have a lot of them, but this one I hadn't seen, and it was describing an event in Michigan where a lot of people saw something and then thankfully they called 911 because then we have recordings of what they were seeing and it's corroborated but yeah. amongst various locations and people and whatever and also thankfully the 911 operator called the weather tower meteorologist on Ooh, smart, a recorded smart, line smart 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 and he's like, we're getting all these calls. People think they see a UFO. Are you seeing anything on radar in this particular area? Oh, I get goosebumps. <laughs> and so to have the recording of that call and have the meteorologist checking his radar and then in real time sort of realizing he doesn't know what he's seeing. What is he seeing? What is he seeing? On Tell his me. radar, he first he saw like a blob that wasn't identified in a normal way. And then it would suddenly break up into five, <gasps> right? That That is not good. <laughs> and that is also what they were seeing on land on the regular calls. And then it would be at, let's say, 5,000 feet um, altitude, and it would go to 55,000 in a second. No. And then it would go from this spot to a spot where... 
it would have had to travel at 72,000 miles per hour. That is way too fast for anything we know about. Yeah. Yeah. And so then at one point he saw it hovering in this one spot and then it would do all these things and he was describing it. And then they got, he, now this is in modern day. This originally happened in 94, but like right now he went to meet with this lady who done all this interviews with people. And she said there was this couple that was on the uh, Lake Michigan beach and they were camping and they saw this. And what they also saw was from Lake Michigan all the way up into the spaceship, the water from nope, Lake Michigan nope, was shooting nope, up like a reverse nope, waterfall. Nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah. And don't you think we talk about like what aliens would go after? And it's like, oh, the largest body of water. Like, I'm interested this in this. This is what the meteorologist one. said. He's yeah. like, that is the largest freshwater yes. supply in the world. Come on. In the planet. That's why they would do that. F- please, please help i have goosebumps <laughs> i can't take it hey. listen i know what can help help me Lumi. actually <laughs> it will control the fear sweats because those fear sweats <laughs> smell different oh yeah they don't smell good either that's an actual thing there are yeah. hormones that are in your sweat when you're stressed out when you're like like the sweat before you're about to give a presentation is the stinkiest sweat oh, there ever great. was ever. So <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. But Lumi to the rescue because this deodorant, which I'm wearing right now, as always, the toasted coconut. What were you going to yeah, say? You it's the best. You, well, you were like, I, I think I feel like calling it deodorant is making people think that it's limited to just your pits. Oh, okay. But good point. As a avid camper and person who maybe showers once every three days when i'm in nature and yeah it is smelling like it that is so fantastic to rub in between your legs right. to rub wherever you may get stinky i believe feet, on the package your it size says, what do you the the directions are like put rub where you have odor and don't want it yeah the end yeah and a lot of times there is odor in other places besides your armpits yeah. And this is great. And they do have like a stick, like a de- normal deodorant, but they have the bo- the cream that you could choose. Yeah. Um, they have wipes that are fantastic. That's I, I go camping. Yeah. You can just use those babies on anything. And this blocks odor all day, controls odor for 72 hours. So it really is, it's aluminum free. I wish there were a way for me to, you know, like when I take video or like I post I stories know, on Instagram where I'm talking about, I know where I'm like, I wish you guys could smell what it smells like before and what it smells like after. And I do understand that you could put deodorant deodorant on before you smell and then you can prevent the smell. So I know <laughs> But this. Sarah never learns. No, I don't. So it will get rid of the smell and not just mask it like it's like little little things that like eat the stinky bacteria. There you go. Yeah, it's like magic. And they have a special offer for our listeners. New customers get five dollars off a Lumi starter pack with code BrainCandy5 at lumideodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com and use code BRAINCANDY5. I need to make sure that's right on the um, website too. I'm going to yeah. check that. I'm going to blow my nose. All right. Fabulous. Um, uh, I just went to trivia last night and one of the questions was uh, this anagram uh, is the same as like the act that prevented the person or that 
like allowed the person to talk about the alien stuff. And the answer was whistleblower. And the anagram was, wow, E.T. be shrill. So that's cool. ETB what? Shrill. I think it's something shrill. Like that. Yeah, something oh like that. ETB shrill. Like wow, ETB shrill. Or Did you like get that. it right? No, because I can. I in a panicky moment, I thought an anagram was like each letter represents something. So I was like W O W something of war. Dump. I was like thinking. Oh, each an le- acronym. I, yes, I yeah. mixed up anagrams and acronyms. But that hey, listen. I you know. know you were under a lot of pressure. I was, and we did very well. We got like third place out of six. It was just me and my friend. So. My point is that just watching that episode and just having been thinking about it since the whistleblower came forward, it just right. it just feels like it's freaking me out, basically. Because I feel like maybe what, they... What do you... Yeah. What are you afraid maybe of? Maybe like... Maybe we're like an experiment. I mean, we probably are. But here's the good news. It's like, this isn't new. I feel like time for humans is pretty quick. Like it, like our, we haven't time, been it's all relative. Long, yeah. We haven't been around that long. You know, this could all be relative. Like, like they could have been here for a long time, you know, researching us and, and, and if they clearly aren't a threat and nobody's like, uh, uh, you know, Take me to your leader. Well, maybe they did that. I don't know. But like nobody's yeah, like the declaring war. Yeah, the meteorologist was like, I feel like they were trying to tell me something because they were doing like certain patterns and like he thought they Yeah, it's like there's, I feel like they're trying, this What are they trying friendly. to tell us though? They're trying to communicate. Don't you think that if we met another life form, another thing that we would, we would like want to exchange. Listen, if you haven't read Project Hail Mary, you need to read, <laughs> don't read it. Listen to it on Audible. It's the freaking best that there ever was it's so good and it's a very good example of how civilizations can team up to solve a problem different what if like my rock bottom comes when i just break down and watch interstellar and like my god (laughs) like i'm just gonna have to read project hail mary and watch interstellar Uh, you do somebody was talking to me about a scene from interstellar the other day and i was just like thinking the whole time like god susie would, love, would love that scene. <laughs> i was i was like you i don't even want to tell you about it because if don't. he told you you'd be like wow that sounds like how could somebody grapple with that like oh it's so deep and like i sat there when it was done just staring at the tv with like my hands on my forehead oh my like god. i have got to what see do i movie. do now like and then I Googled what to watch after Interstellar because I was like, I need to know what I do with my life now. And they were I did the same like thing with, with Project Hail Mary. So there you go. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like. But this okay. is one of my favorite bits. It, I know. I can't let go of the bit. <laughs> All for the sake of comedy. This is your episode I've been talking this whole time about. No. God knows what. You shush. Okay. Aliens. Um, okay. Do you want to talk about swallowing spiders in your sleep or um, switch to birth story? Oh, switch to birth story. I know. Good choice. That is such a good choice, Sarah. Yeah. Okay. I love a good switch to birth. Wow. Um, Oh. (laughs) You're already into it. (laughs) Because just like the thought. And then you think like, because sometimes I see babies and I'm like, it's not me, right? (laughs) Who does that even look like? Like, yeah. 
I don't know. Would I even recognize it? Like, oh my. Does it give you peace knowing that you look like identical to both of your parents somehow? I mean, identical. And like <laughs> my so brothers, weird. too. Like, we yeah. look, it's silly. Yeah. Okay. Well, in the New York Times, there was this awesome article, and it was about two men that were switched at birth, and they are, I think they are either 57 or 67, but they're old. Old enough where you've lived a whole life thinking you're one thing. Got it. And then you find out you're not. Yes. And they, of course, found out because of the, you know, the genealogy DNA tests that people take that are exposing all kinds of secrets yeah. and lies and um accidents and whatever. Yep, 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 yep. And okay, what made this story particularly compelling was that one of them grew up thinking they were um a Croatian Jew Jew. That and then the other one grew up thinking they were indigenous uh Canadian indigenous person. Huh. And so like the one experienced uh, like suffering because of his alleged native like yeah, heritage. Yeah. But he wasn't even that. And then the wow. other one, he actually had a suffering because he didn't have a great family. Mm-hmm. And so um, both of them say now they wish they didn't have found out like it's sort of been traumatic yeah that's why i feel like these things uh, what is the most difficult for people is that cognitive dissonance like that that the idea of who we are or the idea of what we believe to be true crashing up against what actually is true Mm -hmm. and that those things don't match like our mind and, and reality like doesn't fit who we think we are. It, it pushes back like identity, everything. And it makes you question so much. Mm-hmm. And so you have to just like, it's better to just accept something that is not real. If it makes your brain feel okay, makes everything else make sense. It seems like it would feel sort of like, um, almost like the quantum leap thing. Because even though they didn't make a choice that changed their life, someone else did. Right. Absolutely. And that I think the one that had a really nice upbringing, he feels guilty because that was the upbringing meant for the other guy who had a terrible. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Like a survivor's guilt kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's interesting. And then the one that grew up Jewish is now applying for like the benefits of being a native uh, indigenous person. Oh. And that kind of feels a little strange, yeah. but he's like, listen, if I can help my grandkids, why wouldn't right. I? And I'm entitled to it, but it's just sort of like weird. Cause he didn't know that. I, this is what, you know, I think it's so important to talk to kids about where they come from. And I think there was like this, you know, before, genealogy reports and all this kind of stuff and the access to, to, you know, I don't know, finding out who you are and and DNA searches online and stuff like that. There was this belief of like, oh, we just won't tell them. They'll just believe that they're part of the family and that nobody will ask any questions. But 
I bet if they didn't say anything, like if those two like never found out, I guarantee you that at some point in their life, they had a feeling of, I don't feel connected to this, or I mm-hmm. feel like different than everybody else. And that is... I mean, you don't want that either. Mm-hmm. So Let the way to this, avoid though. that is to talk about it from the beginning. Like I feel like that with adoptions. I feel like that with, uh, uh, you know, in vitro, like for like anything that was like surrogacy, like children, like talking about. When I hear from children who were adopted or adults that you know that have been adopted, they and the ones who had families that were really open and, and said like, yep, I wasn't able to have kids, but I picked you and I, I loved you and you are the one that made us a family and blah, 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 blah. Those kids are like, I feel better about that. They, mm-hmm. There's an adjustment that's different. I just wonder though, because like you do hear that a lot of some, someone saying like, I always knew there was, I, I didn't yes. quite get fit in and right. whatever. Do you think though that there's an element of that in everybody that if you found out something later, you'd think, yeah, I guess I did kind of have moments where, cause I almost feel like it's just sort of part of life, but maybe not. I think in a different way. Yeah. And I maybe. think sometimes when other people know, but the child doesn't, that's what they pick up on mm-hmm. that they're oh, treated different than that maybe is just toxic. Yeah. I, I think, and, and, there have been studies on this of, of how like parents treat stepchildren different than their own children, even if they were grown to like people do things that are so subtle and so like, like these little micro, not aggressions, but kind of in a way behaviors we'll call them that maybe are harmful. Yeah. That, that people aren't even aware of them doing that when somebody, when someone is, is, biologically related to us is, I don't know. It, it's, I don't even know if people are aware of it, but mm-hmm. not All talking right. about it. I, I have yet to see a situation where secret keeping has like bettered the situation. Honestly, I hate like, it so much. I don't, I, I have not seen that except if it's like, does my ass look big in, in this? Unless <laughs> I want you to say, yes, my ass looks huge and fantastic, which is what I'm going for these days. So if I'm like, does my ass look, look big in this? You better say, yeah, it does. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm telling the truth about all the time. And that is how thankful I am for pair eyewear and it's, uh, amazing powers to help me see again. And be super cute and funky. And yes, and be fashionable and affordable. Um, because pair eyewear allows you to do the digital try on of the of the glasses. Yes. And man, it's a good one. Yeah, it does. Sometimes look they're ridiculous. It's like, what are we doing here? <laughs> right. What right. You actually can tell how you'd look in the frames and you get to pick them and they're very affordable, like I said. And then you can get the um, clip-on styles that allow you to have different colors or sunglasses that just pop right on magnetically. Like you don't even, you can't even tell that they're, they just like pop, boop, like snap right on, Mm -hmm. new color. These are great for like, I feel like if you're a teacher or you work in anything where... Like nursing, I think Yes, 
totally like to wear like small talk yes yeah i was thinking the same thing like my dental hygienist would totally be (laughs) we're like really dental friendly this episode we're talking a lot about always to be always always yeah Mm -hmm. yeah like anywhere we have always talk about holidays and the weather and all that jazz people love commenting on eyewear i don't know why exactly but they have a whole collection of styles it's endless how many different styles they have that you can get and so you could get like a classic frame and then get the different fun yes. uh, and even sunglasses and even sunglasses elevate your summer looks get 15 percent off your first pair when you go to pair eyewear.com slash brain candy that's pair p-a-i-r eyewear.com slash brain candy elevate every season's looks yes. that's what i'm saying yes. okay i speaking of like the big butt thing I can't yeah. remember which celebrity it was because it was one I didn't know. It must be for the younger generation. Okay. But this woman, famous lady, posted like screenshots of a conversation she had with her ex. What uh, they were singer? together. It must have been. Yeah, I saw this. And he was like talking about how she's gained weight and she, like. Well, didn't... she asked him, do you think I look uh-huh. different or some, oh. something like, do I look fat in these jeans? Like that yeah, kind it, of it. question. And then he told the truth and she actually posted those screenshots to like make him out like he's a terrible partner. But ma'am, you asked. Right. You asked your ass. Yeah. This sounds like communication troubles and perfect stuff to talk about in therapy. It does because Give my number. if you do not, I don't blame you for not wanting to know the answer to that question, like the truth. Yeah. But you can't put someone in that. No. Position. Can't bait somebody and then be like, what? And... And it, it, you know, it's probably come from a, a supportive, good place. I was on that guy's side. I really was. I was like, yeah. I mean, some of us don't lie very well. And <laughs> I'm telling the truth if somebody asked me that. You could yeah. do it in a nice way. Yeah, for sure. Be like, those jeans are, they must have been made for somebody else because they are not doing you justice. You could say something oh, like that. Oh, that's very good. Because a lot of yeah. times that's the truth. It's about yeah. like the cut or whatever. Yeah. It'll be like, mm, those aren't doing you any favors. Yeah. yeah. You are way hotter than those jeans are yes. allowing. Yes. Okay. Moving like on. Like that. <clears throat> um, Ooh, yeah, okay. You're definitely a good person to get ask for advice on because you'll give it to you straight but nice. Well, yeah. Because I wouldn't want to wear something that looked like garbage. Right. I think I talked about this in our doc club meeting, but I'm just going to say it here too. I do yeah. recommend the Jake Paul documentary. Oh yes. It's now coming up in my, like, you should watch this. <laughs> it's one of the untold series, which I love. They're all about sports, but they're so beautiful. And this one I wouldn't call it beautiful, but it was interesting just because yeah. YouTuber turned professional boxer is strange. Yes. And it almost symbolic. feels like a like gimmicky novelty. Yes, symbolic because you know, it's a new era. It's a new time. It's very strange. <laughs> so, in your mind, this feels like what Barnum and Bailey type? Just it? No, it feels more like um, gladi like the Colosseum, like Roman like everybody gathered around to watch the, and now we've had the person who maybe was like uh, the court jester or like the fool be like, well, I'm going to train and did it. And like, I don't know, 
like now he's like jousting with the knights or what i don't know i'm I'm confusing a lot of time periods here i do understand that there's no jousting in the coliseum but (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah so it feels like the new version of an old thing yeah well there are often signs of like uh I don't know, maybe the downfall of a civilization and one is the glorification of violence. And I feel like that is what we see and and gets... To go from reality star to somebody who is famous for the glorification of violence seems like a move towards something not good mm-hmm. as a society. All right. I, what I found interesting about his story, though, was the transparency about the childhood in which he grew up, where his dad was clearly abusive, uh, yeah. and um, or as the brother called it, not qu- quite illegal or something like that, like or not quite legal or something. Oh. <clears throat> and um, yeah. So it seems to me, I'm not Freud over here, but it seems to me these boys, Logan and Jake Paul. Oh, somebody beat them up and now they're beating somebody up. Yeah, that they've learned yeah. violence as like yeah. an expression and Or part of a their... means to gain power. Oh, yeah, that. And probably something they're quite comfortable with be- in a sense. Yes. Because it's familiar. Yep. And they kind of, even with the YouTube stuff, grew up in this mode of like creating a spectacle to get attention because probably yep. they weren't getting it from the people that ought to have been giving it to them. A hundred percent. Oh my God. It's Ooh, really God. like deep because of all the cultural components and then the familial stuff. And then they were competitive with each other and they just kept ratcheting it up on YouTube until like they were lighting crap on fire and going to see dead bodies in Japan. Yeah, and It's not good. It's so toxic. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, if you're going to be that kind of guy, maybe channeling it into a, a sport that's regulated yeah. and whatever is not a bad idea. Yeah, the the thing with that is <laughs> that doesn't act. People think that yeah, oh, it's not an you, outlet. It's not violence it just, only. It's like creates gas on the fire. Violence. Yeah, <clears throat> where like oh, I'm really mad about this. Let me go punch it out. It doesn't work in the same way that we think it does. Oh, that it's going to that. be like it. It normalizes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then now that as a problem solving technique to reduce stress. Uh, and uh, gain power. And we gain see power with leads into other areas of their life. Yeah. Domestic violence, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I don't think the concussions help either. No, <laughs> CTE is not exactly <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, but it is like something that's a part of our culture. I mean, right. boxing is still a popular and enduring it. sport that I do not understand. No. Okay. Please, I know people are going to hate this, but I'm barely understanding football. Like, you know, it causes brain damage. We're all going to cheer for it. All like, okay, maybe we invent some new sports. I don't know. Well, Sweden tried and I poo-pooed that. What did they try to do? Sex. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) 
They didn't invent that as a new sport. They just relabeled it. <laughs> well, the sport component of it. I, I mean, sure. Okay. But... It was so funny, though. I will say, when I posted that clip on TikTok, I don't know how, but at some, some point it went into, like, men were oh, seeing it. Yes. And I it love ended up being our most successful clip <gasps> of all time. What? Because all these guys were like... It's our time to shine, boys, in the comments, like being like, we're in our tryouts. I totally missed this. I'm, how did I miss our most viral TikTok? It this went is gangbusters because these guys were being very funny. You have to use that word. <laughs> they, like, they were annoyed because in the clip, I'm like being like, Stop being weird. Stop being inappropriate. But if they listen to the episode, I am turned. I come around on the subject. Oh, you do. But this they were great. just like a couple of them were like, "There's nothing weird about it, unless you're ashamed of your body." Oh God, <laughs> please. <laughs> okay, any hoodles. That's great. I do recommend that documentary. Um, I when you brought up gladiatorial, I thought i ought to tell you we have an interview in this episode oh i've been very much looking forward to this and i know people are like no Susie, stop with your interviews i know yes very keep with your interviews. they're very good i only pepper them in when i really need you to hear it like rain wilson yes I that keep was that so from you. good that was so good but i interviewed danny lee clark from american gladiators yes. nitro nitro AKA, and um I was enamored with him in the documentary, the Netflix one, because he was very um, open about the trauma he endured as a child and how he learned that, you you know, boys don't cry. And he says in the documentary that after years and years of therapy, he now knows, well, boys might not cry, but men do. Oh, what? wasn't that great? I was like, oh, that's that's gold, Jerry Gold. Yeah, because I mean, for an American gladiator to sit there and talk yes. about all the craziness and the drugs and the hooligans yeah. and the shenanigans, and then to be like, okay, but you should go to therapy and you should let it out oh. and you should grow, and it's so good. That's so and he sort of devoted his post gladiator life to teaching that message that like you can be strong, and part of that means to be vulnerable. What a great lesson. I love this. If you haven't watched Muscles and Mayhem on Netflix, um, he was the one that spearheaded that. Um, he was part of the development of it. And I think he's really proud that people are watching it yes. and that people are talking about the show again since they did get ripped off, like in merchandising and stuff. Yeah. Um, I think this is feels like a little bit of justice, maybe, and maybe a reminder of how relevant and and mm, well known they were. Yeah, you they know, they were cultural icons. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. They like household names. I'll tell you what else should be in a household name, and that's AG One. Am I right? Uh, delicious. Not <laughs> only delicious, but because let me tell you, sometimes. It oh, it's gross. Yeah. Those, yes. I've, I've been down that road. No, yes. thank you. Yes. Mm -mm. So I want to get my vitamins, my nutrients, everything I need that like starts me out right. And it's like the perfect way to start the day 
I've developed a ru- actual routine now. This is like monumental. And then I also feel really um, like on the ball and extra gloaty. I don't know what this is, like proud of myself <laughs> when I can make it because Eli and I always you know do it together. So when I make Eli's and I'm like, your green drink is on the counter. <laughs> like, Right. Like you've done it. You could yep. actually not do anything else that day and you've still accomplished something. Yep. It is just what your body needs 75 high quality vitamins probiotics and whole 75 food sourced ingredients how about that ag one's not joking around if you're looking for a simpler effective investment for your health try ag1 and get five free ag1 travel packs which are so handy to have yep. and get a free one-year supply of vitamin d with your first purchase go to drinkag1.com slash brain candy that's drinkag1.com slash brain candy check it out and i love when you folks tag us when you are having yours because it it's just fun to see that if you are a a plant person and you put any sort of plant fertilizer or thing in food yeah into your plant give your plant any nutrients and you are not doing the same for yourself what the heck are you doing what are you doing i know you're listening to this because i was this person and i know that our listeners are like me you got to do it for you and then do it. It's like the air, okay, the mask that the airplane is. says. It Be- is. I'm this telling is you. One this of is the very important from Pump Club for me is that you deserve yes. to treat your body right. Your body deserves it. You deserve it. And it's not proving anything. It's not like you get extra points if you like don't like the people right. who are like, like oh look at how i can just like get through the day without any of that no brag about dumb stuff like that yeah. like, i only sleep like three hours right sleep is no don't that's be like bragging, but, like look at how i could do everything without it no that's not successfully utilizing your resources yeah and that was a lesson that i thought i never heard it that way that like you you deserve to yeah get exercise and to right. feel good that was like something in my family we wear like uh uh like oh a badge of honor yes yeah that it's like oh you went the entire day without eating lunch because you didn't take a break because you were going gold star no actually f grade f you failed you failed to take care of yourself (laughs) for goodness sake it's so true i could preach about it but you get the idea yeah you do anyway and i think danny lee clark would agree because absolutely i love following him on instagram he is still so strong so fit and such a positive force but as we've talked about about this documentary before what i am fascinated by is that they sort of lived what we lived with the challenge yes years prior in terms of compensation um and rights and then like the toll it can take on your body yeah yeah that nobody knows about right yeah so i wanted to have him on to sort of like I'm kind of like comparing notes, but just this. hear from his point of view what it was really like. So welcome to the show, Danny Lee Clark from American Gladiators and Muscles and Mayhem on Netflix. Danny Lee Clark, a.k.a. Nitro, a.k.a. Dreamboat Extraordinaire. I cannot believe I harassed you into coming on Brain Candy Podcast. I'm so honored. Oh, Susie, you did not have to harass me. You asked and you beckoned and you made the call. You put it out and it's like, we've got to go do some brain candy. A good friend of mine, Tammy, listens to you guys as well. And she's part of your book club. So, hey, to Tammy out there. Hey, we love our Brainiac book clubbers. And 
we also have a documentary club and Muscles and Mayhem is um, going to be our pick because I felt like when I was watching it that I was watching my own story because of Sarah and I were on the challenge on MTV and I was on Road Rules and so much of what you experienced, it was like, it was very familiar to me in terms of the physical stuff, but also just like, it's a weird situation to be so well known, but then not be making a ton of money. And how do you feel now that people are getting a better picture of the series and what your role was on it? I feel dirty. <gasps> Cheap <feel> exposed. <laughs> Tossed aside. <laughs> um, so, you know, firstly, back when the show was on, it was the first show of its type, American Glider, because it really broke new ground. Yeah. Uh, I think some of the critics back then were saying, this is going to be the end of good TV as we know it. And we ended up bringing in a whole new era of TV, like Road Rules and you know, Ninja Warrior and all these other totally. things kind of followed that format. And, you know, the great thing about it, it brought a bunch of new people some spotlight, a little fame. And, you know, the mm. payback then, I think we were getting $700 an episode for the first 13. And, but at that time, look, I had a two-year-old kid, Tyler. Um, I just got cut from the Rams. I, I needed to make money. You would have given me, you know, $500. I would have boxed Mike Tyson. I would have easily, for 50 bucks, jiu-jitsued both uh, Elon Musk and Zuckerberg at the same time. Please I heard one that. of your earlier episodes. <laughs> but I was just a guy that was, you know, Susie, desperate to make a living. I didn't know what this thing was. Um, so it didn't feel like, you know, we were getting taken advantage of yet. Does that make sense? Yeah. But don't you feel like that willingness to do whatever it takes to feed your family and all that kind of made you vulnerable to be exploited and you know the the powers that be are very aware of what they're doing don't you think um i don't know what they think and i don't know <laughs> if they're trying to exploit people but even if you look at social media today you know, people are are doing more and more crazy things to try to get attention, to try to get likes. And I think it all goes back to a deeper feeling of, you know, connection and finding a place to belong and being seen. I, I believe as human beings, we all have this fundamental need to be seen. And for me, it was, I think, a lot stronger of a need. You know, I want people to see me. And I made the mistake of, equating being seen and adored as being loved. You know, the more people, you know, yeah. clap for me, the more they applauded, the more I thought I was, I was loved and it filled those empty places inside of me. It wasn't until I had everything I wanted, Susie, and I wasn't happy. And we talk about this on the Muscles and AM documentary. I'm very open about it is at the height of all the gladiator goodness and spandexian glory when we had just sold out Madison Square Garden. We had these toys and action figures, and we were everywhere. I would still find myself on one too many mornings, waking up, you know, high out of my mind, drunk, with just spit dribbling out of my mouth while I was lying on the floor, and I'd be weeping. You know, it's happened like a couple times. 
And it was at that time I, I realized how sometimes obtaining the false dream of happiness can be a new awakening to something else. And it was at that time, you know, as this big, strong, 235 pound, you know, muscly macho guy, it was at that time that I just had to raise my hand. And I said, look, I have everything, mm. but it feels like nothing. And I need help. And I'm I'm so glad I, you know, back then I, I raised my hand to get that help and started therapy. And it's something I've been doing for the last 25 years. I even coach because, you know, it was such a gift uh, for me to be able to uh, understand who I am better, to be able to pick up the hood, look underneath, so to speak, of the car and, and look at the motor to see what made me run. Um, and that, I think, was a, a great experience about getting everything you want and thinking it's going to be the key to happiness. Right. Because here's you, you have on paper, you have what everybody seeks. You're handsome and famous and Oh, strong. stop it. Stop <laughs> and, it. But it's and I had hair then too. Huh. <laughs> you're groupies and you're, you know, everybody is cheering for you, but it feels hollow in some way. It felt amazing until, you know, until it didn't. Yeah. You know, I'll say anytime that someone has asked for an autograph, anytime that someone has complimented me, it always felt amazing. Yeah. It just didn't fill some of those places inside. And I didn't know that it didn't, you know what I mean? Until yeah. I got there and look, it's when someone, you know, compliments me now and I'm getting, you know, I have tons of people sliding into my DMs. Oh, I can imagine. I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine what's going on in your DMs. <laughs> yeah, well, I just learned that term from watching um, uh, Love is Blind on Netflix. So one of the girls is like, sliding into my DMs, boys. And I was like, yes. what does that even mean? I had to get like a teenager to tell me. And now I'm the, the douche who's saying it. It's a had... thing though, right? You, and you start to see like people want a piece of you and... Well, it's not a piece. You know, what What I, I was really interesting to me after Muscles and Mayhem you know, on Netflix was that I had tons of men and women both sliding into my DMs, and it was interesting. I had those guys, yeah, so cool, bro. You know, I, I really idolized you, which is fantastic. I named my dog after you, and I only kicked <laughs> it once in a while, you know. But I also had a lot of men saying, I really appreciate your openness. And your vulnerability. And interestingly enough, Susie, I had women saying the same thing. Oh, my God. You know, I, I, I appreciate that you could be that open and vulnerable. You it know, was really you, powerful. Yeah. When you, yeah, they say when I talk about, you know, the lesson of, you know, my parents divorcing and, you know, my dad taking us away from my mother and I'm on the plane and, and, you know, I'm crying my eyes out because I'm being taken away from my mother at four years old. And the guy behind me in the seat says, you know, show me your muscle, show me your muscle. So I go and I, I, I flex my little muscle as these tears are streaming down my face. And he, lo and he looks at my muscle and he says, look, you got a muscle, you're a big boy and big boys don't cry. And I talk about how I remembered that throughout my life. Even when my 12-year-old, my, uh, my older brother died in my arms when I was 10, he was 12. I remember that guy on that plane, Susie, and he said, big boys don't cry. So I would not let myself cry. And I ended up, you know, in my journey, 
And again, this took a lot of unpacking. I ended up in my journey, you know, putting on all this muscle, you know, taking on steroids, doing all this stuff to put on this meat suit to protect this little boy inside mm -hmm. who was told, you know, to be a man, to be strong. And it wasn't until I got to be a man, a, a, what I consider a true man, did I come to the realization that big boys don't cry, but men do. That yeah. was so good. I'm so glad you said that in there. Yeah, and I've had so many women, like I said, reaching out to me saying, you know, I, I'm raising two young sons now. They're you know, 15, 18 years old. We're watching your docu-series and it, it's so amazing that you said that. So we can, te I can teach my sons that you can be strong, that you can be powerful, that you can kick ass, but you can also be vulnerable. Heck yeah. Right. And it's not easy. And I loved, I felt like that was one of the really cool parts of the series was that sure, there's a lot of fun stuff and it's silly and spectacle and all that jazz, but each person that's affiliated with the show has their own story and their own journey. And it's important to hear more about it because then you're not just a character or a caricature. You're just, you're a person and you're going through stuff. Yeah. When I, when I pitched and sold this to Netflix, I think that's one of the things that really made them spark to this because look that, that when you're creating something like a docu-series, if you just say, let's do a series on the American gladiators. Okay. What's the story? You need to build a story in it. And I think you also need to have a human story as well as the spine of the story. So I, I pitched it as a, a docu-series that chronicles the rise and fall of one of the biggest shows on television and its most popular stars in the height of the golden age of network TV. And I also pitched the 90s, the nostalgia with Clinton in the White House, with Van Halen, MC Hammer ruling the airwaves, you know, when Schwarzenegger and Stallone ruled the box office. Uh, but I also was so important to me that, you know, because the gladiators were these larger than life figures that people could test their metal against, could test their athletic ability against, right? Because every town had men and women who were great athletes who didn't make pro football, who didn't make pro soccer, who who w was a fantastic volleyball player, but her, their journey ended, or a track and field athlete. There's so many people still having that, that fight inside of them that says, I can compete, I can do this. Gladiators gave them a chance to do that, and they went against us, right? The, these Greek gods, but you know, behind our stage personas were real people with real lives. Our stories, you know, we didn't, they didn't begin there and they didn't end there. Because if you look at the overall story, it's really about a rich cross section of characters that reflect a comprehensive group of Americans, people of all races from all walks of life, fighting to make their own way and punch their own ticket. So now you're starting, you know, when you're, when you're creating something, now you're starting to have a story. Oh, it's about these people. This is their journey. This is their pain to purpose story. And we still, I felt like we needed a narrative spine hmm. to hang the story on because what is the story 
besides these people and the show. So I came up with the idea, which was true. I just put it into form that it was the idea that these little guys, the bad news bears of Hollywood, the gladiators, even though we were biz big physically, you know, we are the bad news bears of Hollywood, but I put it against the idea that when we got famous, when we tried to ask for a fair share of merchandising, um, not something, you know, like out of this world, like, oh, my God, we want millions. Just give us what the industry standard is. The big corporation said, no, you are not important. The show is what's important. The show is the star, not you guys. Come back to work or you're fired. So now you have a story of Davy, not a, a Davy versus Goliath, much like what's going on in the Writers Guild strike right totally. now. You know, the company on Netflix, as much as I love them, you know, these companies sure. are making a shit ton of money, but they're not sharing in some cases equitably with people. And I think everybody can relate to that. Treat me fairly, treat me as a human being and do the right thing dang mm. and so you know creating the docu series that was the idea behind it and since i lived the story i also knew the turning points in each episode so what i said here netflix you know i pitched them they said oh we like this you know great give us an episode breakdown okay here it is so i, I knew the story you know i knew that after episode one you know this was going to be the line that oh shit it went terrible and i didn't think the show was going to survive you know, after episode two, I knew it was going to be this line after episode three and, you know, so on and so on. So I, I think people underestimate the amount of good storytelling you have to have when you're telling something across, you know, five or six episodes. Right. You know, if, if not, it's just a it's just a it's a one hour episode of uh, Behind the Music, which is a fantastic show. Right, right. But you have to have a narrative drive and narrative thrust. And, you know, what were also super important to me was to make the gladiators two things. One was to treat the 90s like a character. So you go back to that nostalgia. Did you feel yeah. that way? <laughs> yes. And it was a vibe, man. Like that period of time had a very distinct flavor and you captured it. So that was important because when when uh, people watch this, I wanted them to be transported back to that time when gas was 90 cents a gallon, you know, when McDonald's just debuted the McRib. Yeah, I wanted them to go back there, whether they were uh, a young kid or whether they were an athlete or an adult, someone who wanted to compete. I wanted to take them back to that nostalgic thing. And when we take people back to their nostalgia, it gets them out of the moment for a second and they get to relive, you know, like... I've had so many people say, oh, my God, I used to watch that with my dad. And that was that's us. The one time I got to see my dad on Saturday mornings. And I, I felt that again. I felt like my dad or my mom was there with me or my buddies. We used to play this in the backyard. And, you know, I always want to kick your ass, Nitro. And and, you know, now I see you're actually a nice guy. So that was, you know, super important, too, to make the era seem like a character. But you did a bang up job. The storytelling was incredible. And there were so many moving parts. There were so many paths that yeah. needed to be explored. So it was a big job. I felt like that could have been done poorly, but you did such a great job. 
Well, I just laid the framework. The directors, um, Jared Hess, who did Napoleon Dynamite, Nacho Libra, Shanghai Nights, all these wonderful movies and who has a real genius for making things light and comedic. And then the other director is a guy named Tony Vainuku. He's won an Emmy for In Football We Trust, and he just did that excellent documentary last year about um, the football player, Manti Teo, who got catfished oh, on Facebook. Yeah, Did you see that? It. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it was fantastic. It was, and again, so it was on good. Netflix. Yeah, it was about the guy, you know, he's a football player in Notre Dame 10 years ago. And he has this complete love affair for a year and a half in a relationship with a woman over Facebook. And in the end, he realizes on the night of the championship game, that she did not exist. It's fantastic if you haven't seen it. So look, I just set the plate. These guys, along with the fellow gladiators, I couldn't have done it without them. These guys, you know, they 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 put it, you know, they they were fantastic. They were awesome. By no means uh did I do this. I just said, here, here's the story, here's Aww. the idea, here's the people, and these guys took it home. But last thing I want to say, you know, um I think, you know, it was kind of sappy. And I was, you know, pitching the directors and Netflix. I said this to them. I think Muscles and Mayhem, we didn't have that title at the time. It was just called American Gladiators Documentary Series. <laughs> um, I think it's a love story. And they all looked at me like, what? I said, it's a, it's a story of love and acceptance and the need for change when we realize the emptiness of, of obtaining a false dream. Right. Because I had this belief that the that the ones that are hardest to love are the ones that need it the most. Right. And I can look back, Susie, on my life and see I was really hard to love, man. You know, I was really, really hard to love. But like, again, when I found that that ha- happiness wasn't cured by success, that unhappiness wasn't cured by success, you know, I knew I had to change. And I think the deeper element of the docu-series is, you know, that we were all misfits, um, you know, who were in a way looking for love and trying to find their place in the world, you know, trying to find happiness and fulfillment. And I think everyone can relate to that, even if they didn't wear spandex. So I think maybe that's why it resonated. Yeah, yeah no. it's true because you all seemed like the cool kids. You were the prom kings and the, you know, what everyone wanted to be. And yet the documentary series kind of showed that we're, everybody's a misfit toy. There's no such thing as just like a cool kid who's got it all together. Everybody has their own stuff. And so I think they did a really good job of showing that. But whenever I think about the section about the, pay raise and wanting some of the merch um, revenue. And I think that same type of thing goes on with the challenge where you make like $3 and, you know, you're, you're <laughs> <laughs> like sacrificing your body or whatever. And there's this sense of like, people think you should just be grateful. Like they would kill to be on a fun show, a fun show like we were on. So can't you just take what you get and be happy? Did that feeling come across to you? Do people feel like, Hey, quit your bitching. Like, you should be glad. Uh, no, it's the exact yeah. opposite. You know, oh, that's people, good. people, uh, you know, uh, people, so many people are like, I can't believe they did you dirty like that. Okay, good. I can't I'm believe glad. they wouldn't share. You okay. know, um, I think again, 
when like you know like the friends cast right they went and renegotiated for a bigger contract yeah as a collective right? unit yeah collective and they they got it um i think in the beginning in any endeavor it's like if you believe in something it's like hey let's all get together let's work our asses off and i i'm going to give you everything i got you know, uh, Ice Lori is going to give you everything she's got. We're going to bleed for you. We're going to sweat for you. We're going to break our bodies for you. But when this gets to be a success, let's share in it, right? Let's just share in this success. And then when you have the corporation saying, no, we're not going to share, it feels it feels really shitty. Yeah. Um, and I left, that's when I left the show. Weren't you angry, though, that there were people that didn't stick with the group that were like, listen, I got to I got to feed my family, so I got to keep working. I don't want to go on no, strike. Look, you didn't look, mind. everybody's got to make the decision that's best for them at that time. Yeah. I, I do. I do not like when people go back on the word. You know, your word is something of value. And then when you say, like, we're in this. And then, you know, you, when, the, when it gets difficult, then you get out of it. Um, I don't like that, but I don't resent anybody for anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I had other offers coming in, you know, from Warner Brothers to do movies. And, and, you know, in the latter years, like in year three, when we did the tour, we were making good money on the road. Yeah. You know, we, we toured 130 countries. So I, I was making good money. And even though, you know, you, we were only making a, you know, I think we, we were making at the end a thousand dollars an episode. So $26,000 for the year, not a lot. We were also getting money for residuals because we were a union show. And, you know, I, at that time I was like, Oh, okay, great. Um, but now I have a pension. That's so I, I don't look back with really any regrets at all. You know, it was uh, the reason we're talking here is it was the reason, you know, uh, we are the number one show on Netflix. And, you know, I think it, they told us, well, I think I read some research. They didn't tell us anything. I, I read some research that there were in the first 10 days, 20 million hours watched. How cool is that? Well, so if you think about that, 20 million hours watched, if you broke that down into a 90 minute movie, it would means that movie would have grossed $125 million roughly uh, on the first 10 days would have been a huge hit. So I have no regrets, you know, um, it was such a glorious time. I, I wish they would have shared. Yeah, more that's the thing, I, man. I don't feel like they regret that and they should. <laughs> The people that were keeping the money and being stingy. Well, well, Susie, the funny thing about success is everyone thinks they're the reason for the success. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, we're yeah. successful. Like me saying, oh, this was successful because I did this. The directors, you know, for the show, we're successful because we directed this. The gladiators, each person's like, well, we're, it's successful because of me. But the truth is things are successful because of collaborative team effort usually right and i think the bigger the egos get the more money there is at stake like for the producers of this show it became like no 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 we are the reason for the success right. <laughs> yeah not not the gladiators they're interchangeable we can put anybody right on you're here. replaceable that's the sort of yeah. tone right here's what i think yeah this is my theory and i want to know what you think i love a good theory i believe 
that if the producers would not have been so greedy, if the producers would have just been fair right. and paid us fairly and given us a piece of the merchandise, the main figures would still be on that show for a long run. And if you look at sports shows, football, basketball, baseball, they've been on the air for 40 years. You look at game shows, Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, 40 years. American Gladiators was the best of both. It was a sporting show and it was a competition show. And my belief is that it could still have been on the air all of these years for totally. a 25-year run. Like Ninja Warrior has been on, what, 15, 17, 20 years? Right. It could still be on the air today, Susie. Totally. If it those infuriates me. <laughs> if they like, just would have been fair. And you know why it's infuriating to me is not only would it have been fun to continue to play Nitro, but I think there were so many athletes out there who lost their chance at competing yeah. at a high level and getting some of that light shined on them and coming to Hollywood and winning $15,000 that they, they never got to experience that because of, you know, the production's greed. Yeah. That's what I think. I agree with you. Even our show has been on for 40 seasons, the challenge, and it's basically the same as yours, except we suck more, but <laughs> you guys are awesome. It's fun. But the challenge you're... Is fun. And you guys wear bikinis. So. Yeah. You're other. Did you feel weird though. wearing a bikini or is that? No, just... I didn't. This is the problem with us. We're like damaged. We have no problem sharing anything. It's not normal, but you people were actual. Well, what do you True mean? You, what, what do you mean? Let's go back to that. that well, you, know, <laughs> you have no problem sharing anything. Yeah, like well, my co-host and I, real world road rules the challenge. You just live your whole life without a filter. It's not, it's not ideal. Why? Well, because in social social norms require you know discernment and maturity, and that's not what is incentivized on the show. And they gave us unlimited alcohol and took away everything else. And filmed it. Like, did people get like intimate, like sexy, sexy time? And they, of course. And, oh, really? Yeah, it's and they basically porn. It? And they film it. Yes. So you you're get you're having sexy time with somebody, and you, and, and you have and a mic filming you and a and, crew, and, and and you know it. I mean, like yeah. actual, like <laughs> yeah. full on intercourse, like you know penetration, and and. Yeah. And it's just happening and you know it and you don't care. And there's not you, but members right. don't care. And you're just being filmed. That's right, Danny. Wow, I feel clean. <laughs> See, you're not exposed <laughs> at all. You felt dirty and I have given you the gift of You've washing given... <laughs> you clean. <laughs> well, look, it was, a, it was a different time. You know, I have to say, you know, if we would have had cell phones, then, you know, uh, there would have been a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. And, <laughs> well, and, again, and you're young and attractive and things happen. Yeah, you know, again, you know, I was 22 to 29 years old and, I, you know, as a, a much different man, you know, than I am, am now. And, um, you know, I, I, I have a better understanding of, you know, since going through therapy and, and you know, working on uh, becoming a better human, I have a much better understanding of what you know, a monogamous committed relationship is. And um, yeah, you know, I took a lot after my dad. My dad was a, you know, womanizer, prolific womanizer. I, I mean, you know, three wives and 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a long, it's a long story. You know, uh, when I was 10, I'll tell you just a tad bit of it. When I was 10 years old, when I was eight years old, my dad took my older brother and I, when he got custody of us to Vietnam to live. Uh, he was living there in 70, 72. So we were still at war right before the country fell. He took us over there and we lived there for two years. My dad had a house of prostitution. So he had a restaurant that in Saigon, Vietnam, that catered to French dignitaries and Vietnamese dignitaries and officers, you know, uh, uh, officers. And it started off as a restaurant and a bar. And then he put some blackjack tables upstairs and then he brought in tea girls, which were the version of, you know, I love you a long time. And so when I was nine, 10 years old, I grew up around a, a bunch of, you know, sex, female sex workers and befriended them. And, you know, my, I, I think I got a warped sense of what normal was, mm-hmm. you know, and then my dad being that kind of guy who was um, partaking <laughs> in the, you know, with these women as well. And even as a grown man, you know, we just uh, was not faithful to my 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 stepmother and uh, you know he was broken in that way and um you know i just thought that's what you did you know that's what my dad did you know i'd have girlfriends and i was unfaithful in my younger years and i well that's what don't doesn't everybody do that and then you're shocked when someone doesn't but then you can also see the pain you can cause somebody when you're not upfront with them about what your situation right. is and I, you know, I, I had this girlfriend in high school and I just remember I broke up with her and it was my senior year and she was a fantastic girl and we were like the it couple. And I just remember she was laying on the floor and she was weeping and I just, you know, cause we, we broke up and I just looked at her and I just didn't know what to do with that. I didn't understand. I'm like, well, what, why is she in pain? And it took me, mm. you know, a long time to be in, to understand the ramifications of, of your uh, human being's actions and, um, you know, how we're all in this together and, um, you know, you know, kindness and gratitude and um, empathy and humility, you know, it took me a long time to learn those things. But anyway, I'm off on a tangent. No, that's so true, though. And that's what I was saying about how this the personal narratives of each of you were so compelling. You could have done a series about each one of you. And you're so blessed that you've been able to evolve and grow and learn that is more than most right? Most people kind of stick with them. Old dog stays the old dog, right? right. And so I think that's really an, a powerful example that clearly people are appreciating because that's why they're sliding in your DMs. <laughs> uh, but, but the work is, as you know, the work is never done. Ain't that the truth? You know what I mean? I, I constantly, you know, I have a gratitude practice. I have a morning journaling practice. If you could see my bookshelves that's around here, it's mostly about personal development and, and, you know, continuing health and lifespan, but 90% of it is about personal development. Um, you know, it's a journey that you're, you're just never done, man. Yeah, just you're so never done. What, what, make, what makes us people tick. But um, I want to thank you. Thank you. You're for the having best. me come on today. I adore you. I, I, I just pontificate. Am, yeah, I'm sorry. I kept you too long, but you're a gem. Um, our listeners love you. And we love you. And I feel really honored. Oh, one last thing. We ask yes. everybody, well, if you have a car, what do you keep in the trunk of your car? 
I have a Tesla, so there's no trunk. Oh, interesting. So there's no trunk. But what I do keep um, in the car lately, last year and a half. Yeah, what's in there? It's going to sound very, very cliche, but uh, pickleball. (gasps) Pickleball, sweeping the nation. Well, I have a pickleball machine that actually is like a tennis ball machine that fires pickleballs. You have got to be kidding me. No. So I, I like to play with myself. Um, <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> I know that sounded kind of weird, but you know, for me, I, you know, it's like hitting a bucket of golf balls. So I just bring this machine out. I go to the Paseo club, which is out here in uh, uh, Southern California. And I just, when I have time, I just go hit the pickleball, just get my mind off of uh, life and focus on one thing. See mind, body, spirit. You got it all going on. I love it. Oh, you're too kind. And I hope you, you know, I hope you guys uh, enjoy Muscles and Mayhem. Again, it opened up number one in the country and Netflix. You must and be thrilled. If you guys, when you're doing books, I would love for you to consider um, the book that was uh, spawned, Muscles and Mayhem. It's the first book, Gladiator, a true story of Roy's rage and redemption. It talks a lot about the stuff that we're talking about, having a dad like this, about growing mm-hmm. up, about walking towards a place you want to belong, but with the backdrop of, um, you know, uh, the, the show of the American gladiators. So it would be great if you did, but there's a lot of cuss words in there. We can handle it. There's a lot of sex in there. I think I've already made it clear. We can handle that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of sex and there's a lot of uh, escapades, but there is a, um, a redemption in the That's end. That's right. So. That's what we love. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Maybe check it out. I uh, will. I'd be honored to be at your book club. You okay. Could... I will. Thank you so much. Cheers. Have a great day. Thank you. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.